You're listening to Resonating with Emmett O'Malley. Support this podcast by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash Emmett O'Malley, where you will receive exclusive music, podcasts, and videos every single month. That's patreon.com slash Emmett O'Malley. Hello, folks. It's great to have you all here for episode two. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for all the response to last week's episode. It has been really lovely to hear that so many of you enjoyed and appreciated the show. I would just like to ask you if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, I'd greatly appreciate if you hit subscribe, give me a rating and leave a review. This does help to bump up the podcast so it will be seen by more people. Also, please subscribe and follow wherever you listen, like Spotify, Stitcher, or on youtube.com slash Emmett O'Malley Music. Also, if you have any feedback about the show, if you would like to make some suggestions or just say hello, you can email the show at info at emmettomalley.com. That's E-M-M-E-T O'Malley.com. You can hit me up on Instagram, that's Emmett O'Malley Music, and Facebook at Emmett O'Malley Music. It would be great to hear from you and would be good to know what suggestions or thoughts you have on the show as it's going on. And please share the links to this show with whoever you think might be interested. We're only at the beginning now, but it's just really nice to know that a good few people really enjoyed it. So just, yeah, pass it around. If you think somebody might enjoy it, send it on to them. I have a very special episode today. Leo Morin is here on the show today. Leo has been guitarist and co-songwriter, along with David Carton, with the Saw Doctors since 1986. And what can I say about the Saw Doctors? If you don't know them, get on and look them up immediately. One of the greatest Irish bands of all time. And that has been proven again and again and again. I'd recommend the albums. If this is rock and roll, I want my old job back. This is a classic, that one, for example. Uh, Same Old Town, All the Way from Choom. There's a bunch of best ofs out there as well. I've made a playlist as well called Resonating with Leo Morn, which I will link under the description for this episode. You can find that there on Spotify. Uh, It has a bunch of my favorite songs by the Docs and also some influences that came up in this interview and a splattering of music from that time in Ireland that I thought that was quite relevant to just the culture and the time and place in which the Saw Doctors were exploding in at the time. Uh, The Saw Doctors are from Toome in County Galway in the west of Ireland. I'm from County Galway myself, so it was always incredible to hear an Irish band from the local area who sounded like they were from my local area that weren't trying to come across like they were a version of something else, like something from Top of the Pops or maybe some UK or American trend or fashion or whatever. And the songs are poetic. They tell stories. There was always this incredible combination of both the profound and just the fun and the wildness and humor and comedy as well as like very deep stuff great poetry going on which i absolutely you know adore uh the live shows of course completely second to none uh has such a reputation and you'll hear their music all the way across the world like wherever you will find us irish people you'll hear the saw doctors at some point especially coming up to saint patrick's day tomorrow happy saint patrick's day everybody So uh, they actually still hold the record for biggest selling Irish single with I Used to Love Her, which topped the charts for nine weeks back in 1990. Still the top selling Irish single of all time, which which is a cool little fact. And chatting to Leo was absolutely lovely. A true gent, uh, really open, really easy to talk to. Uh, Leo even played a few songs, which is really cool. We talked about the old days and everything from storytelling to preserving Irish culture to Porrick Stevens to guitar amplifiers. And generally, it was a lovely chat and I was honoured to have the chance to do it. I'm wishing you all around the world a very happy St. Patrick's Day tomorrow. And 
Here's my chat with musician, songwriter, guitarist, and all-round legend, Leo Moore. Well, the last couple of years now, I've been playing the guitar with Porrick Stevens doing his songs. Mm. And that's been brilliant. But it wasn't a very busy schedule, so... But I'm just the kind of person that if there's something to be done or somebody suggests to do something, I'll kind of go and do it uh, rather than not do it. So that all builds up and you end up doing a lot of stuff. Whereas lately now we kind of realised it's not necessary to be doing stuff all the time. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm enjoying uh, uh, Porig stuff there on YouTube and all that. I've been having a look the the last while and... I'm reminded of his like his kind of passion and like his 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 uh I I think it's this like big love and almost responsibility he seems to have for storytelling and just kind of I I don't know just putting out there what's actually going on and like framing things in the culture you know as well is is kind of a, I saw the one um Molly Bourne and uh, Breen Og yeah, really featuring yourself there as well. Tell us a bit about that. That was a song that we stumbled upon that a lady in, in that video, Mary Lawler, she performed it with a friend of hers, Nelly Fahey. Mm. It was one of their party pieces. And she said that my grandmother had written the words to it. And we had also gotten friendly, myself and Porrick, with the Screaming Orphans. Mm. And we met them at a festival in America and we went up to visit them in Donegal. And their mother sang the song as well, but a totally different version. So I imagine my grandmother must have heard that song and then decided she'd write her own version of it. Mm. So that's uh, that video was compiled as a scheme from the Galway Town Hall Theatre during the lockdown. Right. And it was the idea was to go and visit older people we started we did one in a nursing home and then uh, we did the other one then we interviewed Mary Lawler who was a who was a, I suppose a, a founding member maybe not a founding member but an old member of the Tomb Theatre Guild and, and a very experienced actor and then the coincidence happened that the Screaming Orphan's mother happened to be a fantastic singer and sang in the Cayley Band with her family over the years. So both of those videos got made as a, as a kind of a demonstration, as a little bit of good news that there was things going on and that people were still able to do things and that, they're, that all people have stories to tell. And the Town Hall Theatre actually did multiple different ones. They, got, they commissioned different local artists to visit people in nursing homes like we did and interview the people and um, tell their story in whatever way they found fit. Ours was obviously Porrick wrote the song and we did a video. Uh, that would be our kind of style, but other people then wrote, dram- dramatised maybe the, the meeting or the stories. And um, it's fantastic. It was a really good scheme. And it was just one of those things that captured people's imagination because there was very little else good news going on. Yeah, yeah. And like it's so it's so important to capture stories and especially the older stories too, uh, like with the older generation, because it's something that I talk to my father quite a bit about, because like, for example, his auntie had loads of loads of stories. We used to hear them growing up. And there was one um, actually kind of ghost story that was like brilliant involving my grand uncle and uh, his brother, you know, and we made a documentary about like a short doc. I'll send you the link to it, but it's like things like that. It's like, um, there's thousands of like valuable nuggets all around the country and it's like they were always verbal things and i think if it's like if the art of the verbal storytelling falls away a little bit you know like we need people to write them down we need people to uh film them we need people to talk about them do you know what i mean it's it's kind of uh it's really valuable stuff and even even more so in 10 years let's say 20 years yeah yeah well it sounds like you're doing your part anyways 
Uh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. It, we, we, that was the o- only one we did. But I, I think it's uh, I always get that kind of drive around these things, you know, just to capture stuff, you know. Um, and I don't know. There's something sad about elements of culture getting lost, you know, um, and sometimes, you know, you can hear it on records with music as well, like as in the sound of a time or just just that glimpse into a time as well. You kind of you catch something and it's not it's not being what's said. It's just the feel of something like the attitude of something. It's kind of amazing, you know. Um, yeah, so much gets lost anyway. I don't know, 99.9 probably percent of everything gets lost, but <clears throat> over 100 years or so. But if you just have that little percentage of, of the glimpse that you're talking about that's yeah. that's a bit of magic yeah the glimpse i love it yeah um yeah and speaking of like storytelling and all that like and just touching on porik again uh i i heard uh like porik is kind of one of these like um you know well-known kind of cult figures around galway growing up in galway and i i heard about him first out in tune in kenny ralph's studio uh, where I did like my first ever recordings and it's kind of like um, you just hear him hear him about in the background every now and then and then like the songs just checking out the songs this week that he's written it's unbelievable stuff isn't it uh, he's he's brilliant yeah he's, um, when people are going to wonder about what Ireland was like in the late 20th century and the beginning of the 21st century Porrick songs will have more information in them than any history book. Mm. Yeah. They'll have the vernacular, they'll have the vocabulary, they'll have the the happenings, they'll have the culture, they'll have and the whole transition from from so many different things. Porrick has so many angles. He grew up on a farm, so he's basically a rural child. He spent a lot of time in London, so he has the immigrant perspective. And then he has uh, lived in Tume, so he has the towny perspective as well. And he has, like I said, he's lived through so many different times from the from the childhood farming to modern technology and everything in between, uh, rural and urban. And he has he just mixes all those angles so well, and he he can focus in and tune in on an issue so well. Sometimes. I'd mention something to him and say that'd be that's interesting or whatever, and you know he could he could email me back in three or four hours' time with the finished product. And yeah, yeah. I mean finished like yeah, it, yeah. it wouldn't be a work in progress. It would be this is it the word perfect kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there's no sense of like like pretension about him whatsoever. Like it's as in this is it like, and he it's like something I touched on in another interview recently is like. Um, it seems like there's a kind of history of a lot of artists kind of looking outside to kind of be part of things that are almost outside of them. And then you have someone like Porik and yourselves and it's coming from like, like this is this is my story now. This is me telling it right now the way I'm telling it. And that's precious stuff. Like I, I love that. Like, you know. It's yeah, I always remember we were about 15 and learning the guitar and Porik was home from London at the time and he was managing Blaze X. Mm. He was writing songs and I remember hearing a song called Statue of Liberty by XTC. I don't, I just make a conversation back in the kitchen report and I said, that's a really good thing to write a song about, the Statue of Liberty. You know, it's it's interesting. Mm. Or I said, see the fridge there. He said, that's a good thing to write. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, yeah. it's not, it's not what you're writing about. It's what, it's how you see it or what you say about it. Yeah. And so Porrick, Rhymed off a few lines about how the fridge kept his milk fresh and kept his food from going stale and all that kind of crack. Mm. And it, it was just a little demonstration of, yeah, it's not just the subject matter; it's how you it's how you see it and and how, what you what your thoughts and feelings are about it and how you share them. That's that's yeah. the song. Yeah, the the perspective, like, and uh, what it brings up and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Yeah, that's class. Um, and uh, so Blaze X was that the start of the journey that led into the Saw Doctors? Yes, and that was in Tume. Um, so for people who don't know, Tume is um, a town and uh, in, in County Galway, outside of Galway. And uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'd love to know a little bit about the the beginnings of it of it all. Well, there was a 
gang of us in Tume that were very taken with the punk thing. Mm-hmm. And we were young teenagers at the time, perfectly aged for being, uh, our minds being moulded in certain ways. So, Was that like late punk? 70s, kind of early 80s kind of thing? Yes, late yeah. 70s. I was in first year in 1977, so it was ideal. Yeah. And uh, there was a lot of us really interested in the punk thing. And of course, that gave you the idea that music can be done by anyone. That was that was a huge part of it. And you didn't have to go to music lessons or you didn't have to do anything in particular, just make your own version of whatever it is. Hmm. So we we always thought it'd be lovely to have a band, but... We never thought it would be possible, but we eventually, in 1979, myself and um, the McHugh brothers, Kilzer and Mousy, uh, we bought guitars and we started writing songs and trying to play them. So that was good old crack. But Blaze X kind of stole the jump on us, really, in that they were a little bit older. They were 18, 19, 20, mm. and they started rehearsing before us and they kind of entered the world fully formed the first time I saw them rehearsing it was an incredible experience because Mm. I couldn't believe that something of that ilk that I loved that was coming from New York or London or Manchester was actually existing in the same quality in tune yeah and Blaze X were were fantastic and uh, it was Paul Kniff and Davy Carton writing the songs and singing and Paul Rafe and Jack Eaton on drums and bass. And they only lasted a year and a half, but they wrote a lot of songs and they did a lot of super gigs. And it was it was a magical time. And then we were playing as well and the McGoos were writing songs and they went on to play in a band called All Cats Are Grey and they were fantastic as well. It was all all very energetic and creative and it was kind of a normal thing to be doing, making up songs. It was lovely culture to be involved in. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was, uh, can you remember um, a moment where like you heard something and it like, you know, that was the thing, like something that kind of raised the hairs on your back, you know, like like maybe something out of the punk scene or just something that just told you like, I, I, I'm playing a guitar, like I'm I'm doing this, you know. Um, I suppose Blaze X really. Okay, they, that was it. Yeah. Yeah, you go yeah. cheap. This is this is possible. Yeah. No, it, it's not something that exists in another universe, or 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 you don't have to go to London, New York, or Dublin to do it. It's it's here. Yeah. Here and now, brilliant. Yeah. No, I I I, I love that as well. That like uh, an influence is basically like your mates like I love that like it's it's kind of amazing like my own first band as well it was a bizarre bizarre um beginning because the the ad in the paper was basically um uh ring this number between like uh half six and seven on Thursday evening and I, it was in the Galway advertiser or whatever and it was like my friend Seamus who's like my best friend now still he actually lives in China now but he like he was there standing at a payphone, you know, every Thursday, half six to seven, you know, this random stuff. And and just because he was a bit, good bit older than me then, you know, and uh, I was a teenager. He was like in his early 20s kind of thing. And I, I remember just sitting in his like uh, bed sit in, in Galway, you know, just listening to him play guitar. And he was kind of inf- influenced by all this stuff like um, kind of Roxy music and uh a bit of the punk stuff and um i think there's a bit of the edge in there as well all kinds of like atmospheric sounds basically do you know i remember just sitting there going like how did i land into this little universe do you know what i mean it's 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 unbelievable the the excitement of the the possibilities you know the potential yes. like what what's going to come of this you know yeah it's amazing yeah. it's a very exciting time when you when you realize that there's stuff going on that you don't maybe don't even fully understand, but you just love it. Yeah. You don't know where it's going. Yeah. Kind of driven, driven by it, like drawn into it. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's kind of amazing. Um, uh, yeah. And so uh, that, that was, so the, did you end up in Blaze X or? No. Okay. No, Blaze X uh, finished in 1981. Mm. And, um, in the mid '80s, then I started playing in a, a reggae band. Some of the lads 
had gone to London mm. and got very interested in the Jamaican scene mm. and uh, the culture of Jamaica. And when they came home to Tume, they decided they'd form a reggae band. So they did, and they called it Too Much for the White Man. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they were very good. Mousy McHugh was the, was the uh, lead singer, and he was just a great performer. So yeah. that was great fun. I just happened to be hanging around, and I had a guitar and an amp, and I wasn't doing anything else. So yeah. I was co-opted into the rhythm guitar section. Yes. But it was great crack. It was a great band. But then... I had started to get to meet Davy Carton, who was in Blaze X, and I'd always loved the Blaze X songs, and I knew there was there was a load of them hanging around that seemed to me like they were never going to get heard again. Right, yeah. So we started to resurrect some of them, and his neighbour was Mary O'Connor. She's a brilliant singer. Right. So she was actually, that was the first, the first thing you could call the Saw Doctors was Mary O'Connor singing, and uh, Davy uh, doing backing vocals mostly, and... Me playing guitar. Right. Yeah. And was that like around around tomb where you like we were, you, were you yeah. a gigging band and pubs and stuff like that? Kind of, yeah. Okay. Not, not many gigs like mm. Yeah. And the focus was on um was on writing stuff as well, was it? Yes. Yeah. We started once we started resurrecting the older songs, then we started thinking, Oh, we'll try and write a few more. Yeah. Yeah. Writing songs is the best crack, really. It's the most yeah. satisfying, exciting thing when you when you write something you like. Yeah. And then you never know if it's really going to connect with people or not until you play it in front of people. So sometimes yeah. you write stuff and you love it and you play it in front of people and they go to the toilet or something. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. That happens quite often. I mean, people who like your song say, oh, everything you wrote is great and I love what you do. But it's not like that at all. It's like, yeah, as you know yourself, you, you have to go through, you have to write all the songs to get an odd good one. Yeah, exactly. No, for sure. Um, yeah, it's, there's something I, I, so I had a good listen to like, you know, like all the back catalog and stuff in the last week. And, um, so what I kind of stumbled across was, uh, so the album, if this is rock and roll, I want my old job back. Uh, so that's 1991. So 30 years ago, that album came out. It was unbelievable. Like, but so that, that album was the first, uh, impression i had of you i was probably eight or nine or something at the time but i i had the tape and i wore it out like wore this tape out you know it was on like day and night unbelievable so you know it's that kind of thing it's like a something is part of my own uh growing up you know it's it's embedded in there like so when i listen to it now it has like i was like i know the words of all the <laughs> all these songs you know and, and what did it sound like to a child what kind of a world did it feel like it was coming from it felt like a bit of freedom, do you know? A bit of uh, a, a bit of uh, it was kind of emotional and also just like good crack, like like a bit of wildness to it, you know? Like because it's funny as well, do you know what I mean? There's so much like humor in there, you know what I mean? Like it's it's kind of a uh, it's like the thing when um. Uh, maybe when I first saw like say Christy Moore doing a gig or something like that and it's like he's like goes to the depths and then he makes you cry laughing you know at the same time you know it's like that thing you know and uh, but there's something now listening to it like about the the sound of it, it it's a beautiful record isn't it like it's a beautiful um, like the songs are amazing but the production as well everything is just it, 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 there was something there I think when we're talking about nailing something in time like putting a time stamp on something it it it, it was of the time as well wasn't it i i yeah, just i we just were... love to know about sorry sorry I, I i just love to know how it how it, like that came about and like how those songs fell into place on the record the way they did you know well the songs were just swimming around and they had got loads of gigs we had got a support tour with the water boys around ireland and then around britain in 1989 and we were doing a lot of gigs and we were writing all the songs. We were very excited. So to, having the having the repertoire for recording the album was was a fait accompli. So mm. uh, Phil Tennant then was the producer and he he recommended that we go and record it in in um, in local studios in Wales near Newport. Ah, okay. 
where we had we had well we we had recorded three songs already that were going to be on the album. We'd recorded uh, sing a powerful song. It won't be tonight, and I used to love her. Mm. And we record we'd gone to Wales as well to record them and got on really well there and enjoyed it. Just the idea of being in a residential studio was fantastic. It meant that we were all there on site all day, every day, and you were concentrated on getting the job done. And we worked late and just really enjoyed it. We'd we'd loads of songs to record, so we were busy. Yeah, and it was it was a wonderful experience. A great privilege to be able to go and and record in a residential on site place where you're just tuned in yeah. all day, every day. Yeah. It must have been. It must have been. Must have been magic hearing some of those songs come together as well. Like uh, something like "Sing a Powerful Song," for example. That's you know, it's 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 just un- unbelievable. Like I think the thing about it, I just listening back to them all is like they they kind of like I know you're from Galway. Listening to it, like I know that you're, like you're from the west of Ireland. You know, like the the the. the your accents are there which is really important to me i love it like you know the there's it's like you're talking about the the real stuff that's going on of the day so there's like this folk music element to it there's this kind of entertainment to it as well and the the um something about the the sound as well like the band was uh who was in the band or what was the the lineup back then because it's quite a big sound too isn't it yeah, it was John Donnelly on drums, Pierce Doherty on the bass, and Terps was playing the mandolin and uh-huh. guitar. Terps is a great element as well, of course, with his own songs. He has he has Don't Let Me Down and Freedom Fighters on the album, which mm. are brilliant. Mm. 25 quid. And uh, then the uh, the extra factor then we had was Tony Lambert on the on the uh, Hammond organ. He was a master musician and and the accordion. We had drafted him in on the first run in Wales. He was uh, local, playing in a local band in Cardiff, and we had asked him to come in and play on on that on those three songs, sing a powerful song. It won't be tonight, and mm-hmm. I still love her. And after that worked out, um, well, let's see. Yeah, I, I used to love her, became a hit, and Tony moved to Ireland. So when we went back to Wales, Tony was playing on the album, and it was just, it was amazing to have that huge organ, rich sound, classic rock and roll sound yeah, yeah. on the on the album. And so there was a lot of different elements going on. Phil Tennant was a great producer, and um, it was just Tim was Tim was doing the doing the uh, was the engineer on it? He was great crack as well. We'd, we'd, yeah, it was just very exciting, and there was loads of songs. Like you do one song today, and you start another one maybe this evening, and you know you might start another one tomorrow and try and finish off one of the other ones. It was yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. Loads of creativity, and like we would have been playing the songs live, and we we were decent. We were a good fun band live, but we weren't that accurate. Like we mightn't always be completely in tune or in time or whatever. So when you go to the studio, then the microscope comes out and mm. you have to get all these things to a higher standard than you're normally able to do, say, doing gigs. So that yeah. was a good challenge as well. Mm. But it was lovely to hear them getting worked on and getting, um, getting, uh, you know, what would you say, refined a bit or yeah. just getting getting everything right. Like, it was great fun. Yeah. Great. It's lovely. It's a lovely job to be at, like. Yeah, it's, it's that's that sounds amazing. Like, and I love I love just the idea of the of the refinement and stuff as well. Like, um, I I've never had any kind of uh, you know let's say well known music or anything like that. But just just even just recording stuff, let's say like bit by bit as as I'm going along, uh, I I'm always hearing stuff that I I like. I need to change this next time. I need. I was like, oh god, you know, stuff even that like the process i might be thinking this song is like not working at all and i'm like i'm kind of slaving away at it you know like for a few days and i'm like just drop it and then come back to it three three weeks later and i'm like what what's the problem <laughs> you know it was good yeah. the yeah. perception is like but all over but it's it's like a it's like a constant uh it's a constant uh journey as long as 
as long as like let's say like there's an openness to to know things can change do you know because like things can get better or if i keep driving this idea into the wall it's going to get worse you know just the, the, the things don't stay the same no and it's dangerous because sometimes you can refine things too much and you lose the essence of them and yeah. people will say to you oh the the all rough version was much better than than what you're after ending up with yeah, so yeah. that can happen too anything yeah. can happen <laughs> yeah definitely yeah um yeah and the, one of the themes on it like that comes through a lot is um uh like the, the theme of emigration at the time you know that's coming through a, a lot of the songs there which is which is a great like it's a great um kind of document to have as well like was there a lot of people you know like at the time like leaving the country or was there tell me a bit about that oh yeah and the, a lot of the songs were written in the mid late 80s and that was a time of great immigration for for my generation mm. there were you know after, whatever after coming out of school early 20s and there was loads of them over in philadelphia new york and london of course and so yeah, we had friends. There was I'd people that'd be writing letters to on a regular basis abroad. People yeah. I'd grown up with, gone to school with, or played sport with, or whatever. So that was yeah, that was just a natural enough thing. And then the amazing thing about it was that when we had a bit of luck and a bit of success, we were able to go and play in these places and go and meet them, and they'd be able to come to the gig. So that that was a lovely consequence of mm. of of how lucky we were. Yes. Yeah, so this following sprung up around the world, which is kind of incredible. Yeah, uh, yeah. What was that like? The first time, kind of going away to, like, let's say, the states, and knowing there was a bunch of people there dying to hear it. Like, how how was that? Well, when you write songs, from as you know, like American rock and roll culture is sort of the zenith of what you're thinking about yeah. like we all we loved all the Buddy Holly stuff and you know Tom Waits and Springsteen and God knows who else all the American songs Bob Dylan and so when you you've written a lot of songs and you've seen them working in front of people and we'd seen them working in Ireland and we'd even seen them working in Britain and then to be able to put them in a bag and bring them down to Shannon and bring them to America like and yeah. see what they're going to sound like in America that was that was um, very exciting because you were going to be, you were bringing your version of rock and roll to the home of rock and roll. Yes. And yes. it was lovely to see how that worked. Yeah. Was, that was, uh, it was lovely because it, it made you feel like you were a part of what you wanted to be a part of. Yes. yes. Your own little place in the, in the scheme of things. Tiny yeah. little Nice. Hello folks, it's me, the Patreon Fairy. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but I would just like to say that if you subscribe on patreon.com slash Emmett O'Malley, that is E-M-M-E-T-O-M-A-L-L-E-Y, he will be very happy because he will be able to continue making these podcasts. You will get over two and a half years worth of exclusive material immediately by signing up. Also, you will get one podcast per week that you can't get anywhere else. It's called Private Pod and you will get exclusive music and videos every month. Sign up at patreon.com slash Emmett O'Malley. I've noticed it so much, um, like with your music, uh, over because I live in London and I, like before the lockdown, what I was doing for a living was gigging around pubs, you know, all the time. So, uh, and and so I, I'd hear your, I'd hear your stuff being played all the time in the pubs. And if there's a bit of a, it's a bit of a dull night, you know, and p- people aren't kind of, um, <laughs> if if the crowd's getting a bit, um, like. Uh, disinterested let's say <laughs> like all i have to do is pull out a saw doctor song honestly do you know what i mean like it's wow. it's got that it's got that effect it must be i was talking ab- about this kind of effect with um a couple of people uh i did it the last podcast with um uh who wrote some kind of you know really well-known songs as well and it's like 
how does it feel that something that that was in like let's say if it was N17 or something like that like a germ of an idea that was in within you guys and it's like a nice thought or it's an interesting idea for a song and then suddenly it's coming out of speakers all over the world like that must be bizarre to think about it is and you probably don't think about it or I probably didn't think about it enough mm. along the road like for for us for 25 years N17 was like um, a freewheel for four or five minutes during the gig because it had become popular and people loved it and, and people kind of just drove the song the energy of the audience and all we had to do was throw the ball up in the air and let it get caught by the wind yeah you know, yeah, kinda, yeah yeah and uh, that's that's what N17 had become to probably me that was my impression of it it was like this we know this is going to work we're going to play it we're going to enjoy it you can be twiddling around on the guitar, making it a bit interesting for yourself so that you're not doing the same thing every night. Like, Yeah, yeah. Having a bit of crack. And uh, so I wouldn't really have thought about it from, I would have kind of forgotten where it came from or, or how small it was, what a tiny little seed it was when it appeared. Yeah. But I do remember when we wrote it and the first time we played it in public was up in the front bar of the Hermitage Hotel Disco late bear and and on the Sunday night. And I remember we were just sitting in a corner and like that's what you're saying now. Some people were listening and there was more not listening. But when we did N17, Davy sang N17, people got interested. You could see that it immediately drew people in. It was amazing. It was like, it was a, a litmus test and it passed it immediately. Yeah, it's it just blows my mind, you know, those little moments to, to hear about them. Like that, that kind of almost like there is a a, a a lock that's been opened, you know, the code has been put in in some way. And it's like it, it's unlocked something in people, you know, identification and like intrigue. Like, what's this? I and want- it was a, a double whammy for us because we were a bit embarrassed having written a song about the Galway Road because the Galway Road really wasn't much of something to write a song about. <laughs> It was a bit like the fridge, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> we were thinking, well, are people going to laugh or slag us for having written a song about the Galway Road? But it was the opposite. People thought, oh, this is amazing that the people are. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, but you know, like it's that kind of thing that obviously needed to be done as well because, like, it's like let's say you were talking about the American kind of uh, rock and roll culture and all that kind of stuff. So what people around, like, let's say the source of rock and roll is coming from there. And then you have this other kind of rock and roll coming from, let's say London, like other punk stuff and everything. And all these like kind of scenes, let's say, do you know, coming up and it's like, there it's like, but we need to actually write about us, you know that kind of that. That's what I feel like. It, it has to be about the personal, you know. Yeah, and it has to be in our accent. Yeah, yeah. Because the impression you get when you're growing up, especially listening to foreign music, is that the place where these people come from is superior to our place, uh-huh. and we, and we think that their songs are superior to ours, and we think that their accent is superior to ours. But the reason that their accent is good and the songs they're singing sound fantastic is because it's their accent. Yeah, yeah. So, so actually, the thing you, you when you're younger and you don't understand, you think you want to imitate them. But yeah. what you actually need to do is emulate them. Yeah, yeah. And do your own version of what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And um, and this kind of like like any idea out around the a kind of like i i kind of know how it like in a, in a sense how it feels let's say to like say grow up like wanting to do music and all that and feeling like well how could i do that like as in how could i be one of them like let's say you know but then you kind of you see a certain vulnerability about people sometimes and you and you say well they're just another human being as well do you know what i mean and the more real they are the more 
so that it's kind of so important for people to have that acceptance. And uh, I, one place where I saw it, I, I, I'll never forget this, was because, um, God, I've gone through so many like hoops around like who I am with my music and all that over the years. But one of the things was... Um, like this kind of idea of like wanting to change my name and stuff like that, you know, this kind of concept. And it's come up, I think, with loads of musicians and stuff over the years. And um, I saw this, uh, it's like this, I think it's really well known, but it's a, it's this old documentary from the late 70s with John Lennon and Yoko Ono. And they're out, I think they're recording the Imagine album out in some kind of country house out in the middle of nowhere, somewhere in England. And... Um, uh, now he obviously he was a very troubled person, you know, back in those days as well as but but that seemed like a good a good time for him, let's say. And um one thing that I just got was like it was just him walking around talking to people, chatting to the musicians, hanging around with Yoko and all that. But it's like here's a person who's living in his own skin and is completely and utterly just himself, you know. And he's a, he's he's good crack, you know. He's good. He's like a, he's a joker, you know what I mean? Um, he's not trying to be anybody else. But the amount of people who tried to be John Lennon, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. The amount of people is I'm going to be like him. So, but one thing he didn't do was try to be like someone else. You know, maybe he did when he was young. There must have been some kind of influence. But I I just find that that authenticity and like just being yourself is the hardest thing sometimes and but the most important thing do you know what i mean yeah that's if you want to be like john lennon that's it exactly you have to just be yourself yeah yeah exactly exactly that's how he did it yeah yeah it, it reminds me as well of hank williams said that when he was starting off playing in bands he he was writing songs about heartache and loneliness and all that but he wouldn't play them he said i didn't want to be drawn that kind of uh atmosphere on people in the audience he said I didn't think they were very good anyway but he said for some reason one night I sang a few of them and they were the ones that connected with people because everybody's life is full of heartache and, and a bit of misery and yeah. he said I was avoiding playing them because I didn't think they'd want to hear them but I think people want, it's, people love to see themselves in a song that's when it makes connection yes yes yeah that's like yeah that's it and and i i think uh, uh but it it's unbelievable like the, you you yourself and uh the saw doctors like have achieved that again and again do you know what i mean like in so many cases it's it's quite it's quite an achievement you know like that like reflecting um it's like a back and forth thing almost you kind of send something out and it's reflected back it's almost like the energy of a live gig or something you know? Yeah, and it's, it just keeps going back and over. It it it, it is. Yeah, that's um, we thrived off the energy of the audience always. It's mm. we were very lucky to get it. Once once you get it going in the right direction, you're very lucky because it has a tendency to just get stronger and stronger. Yes. Can I ask you about uh, this? Is the one other question about the album? That first album, you know. Uh, if this is rock and roll, I want my old job back. And like, I recommend people to listen to that album. What I'm going to do as well for the, for the podcast, I'm going to put a playlist underneath. Uh, so pe- of, of like the stuff we've talked about, like, and the various artists and on the songs and stuff of your own and everything that we talked about. It'll be a good listen, I think maybe. Um, but, uh, your guitar sound is so, um, it's so specific and it's such a thing, you know, like, it's not like, like that's coming from somewhere. I was really curious about that. Like, I, it's like I hear so much stuff in there. I hear like kind of the shadows. I hear like kind of a bit of desert kind of America. And I hear a bit of country in there. Like, tell me about like your guitar sound. Yeah. Uh, when the Saw Doctor started off, I had an amp, but Davey didn't. So I heard of a fellow in town who used to be in a band, John Brennan, and he had an amp for sale. So we went up to his house and he had this Yamaha amp and uh, Davey bought it, it was £100. And he just bought it because it was in show when it was handy and it was decent little amp. like. Yeah. So we brought it to Davey's house, any or my house here, I'm not sure which. And Davey said, oh, look, there's tremolo on it. Tremolo is nice. Nice. <laughs> So there was that kind of Roy Orbison sound. And we started um, 
playing around with with that sound, and of, of course we fell in love with it. Yeah. So Davey would often make up the riffs and I was, Davey was the brains and I was the fingers. <laughs> 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 and uh, we wrote a lot of those songs, It Won't Be Tonight and Red Cortina, probably oh. in the, some of them in the same week, maybe, you know, but we, we were just buzzing on this guitar sound. We loved it. It was It's like a 60s pop sound, really. And, and like you say, a bit of country as well, a bit of Dwayne Eddy, yeah. that kind of thing. Oh, and it yeah. lends itself to... To simple lines, you know, you don't have to be a good guitar player to to make a good sound out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I'm not a good guitar player, but I I can get a good sound. Oh man, you're a great guitar. I love your guitar playing. It's 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 beautiful. Like like the the, the low, you know, the the low riffing, like as in the melodies, low on guitar. Like I, that's just beautiful. It's also a bit like um, like you mentioned Roy Orbison also. Uh, I forget his name, but um, the the guitarist that used to play with Johnny Cash as well, his um, yes. lead guitarist with those low runs as well, and very um, yeah, I love it. And like I said, it's quite simple, you know. It's yeah, but it's 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 nice. It's a great sound. It's a great sound, yeah, and melodic and kind of spacious. Yeah, mm. it's it's lovely. Um, yeah, and and then like the, uh, there's been plenty of lineup changes then over the years uh, since then and stuff like that um there's but there's some bloody amazing albums like one of the one of the ones that comes up for me is uh same old town that one uh it's like late 90s um another another beautiful album um uh what the memory that sticks out for me with that one was the and I might be wrong ra- about this, but the um, uh, Francie Barrett going to the Olympics, and uh, to win just once, yeah, yes, yeah, exactly. And there was a whole thing around, that was a, that was a great moment, like, and you were right in there on that. Yeah, I saw pictures lately when we went up to visit Francie and take pictures, and uh, all his family were out, and we were all there in the big picture with our arms around each other. It's lovely, fantastic. Just saw that about a month ago. It's class. Oh, it's really class. Yeah, you, like you captured the moment, you know, and it was the perfect song. Uh, the perfect kind of soundtrack for that for that moment. It was absolutely beautiful. That's um, that's another like incredible tune. And yeah, um, wh- when how was how did your writing change over the years? Like your kind of approach to it. Like did, did you yourself and Davy write together, or did you write separate, or h- how did you go about it? We wrote in a lot of different ways. A lot of the original songs were kind of poems I'd written. Mm. I'm not great with tunes at all, really. And then Davy put tunes to them, hmm. and then we would he'd write some lyrics and I'd put in a bit of music, or whatever. So it got it all mixed up. I think the problem when we got older was, or for me anyway, I got self-conscious about writing. You know, I stopped writing that much because I think I I, I think one of the problems as well is you after having success and having songs that worked, you don't want to write a song that doesn't work, hmm. and. Uh, that's that's a bad attitude. You have to write them because mm. they're all not going to work, and you, and uh, you can't expect them to. And you just have to go through them. Yeah, <laughs> put them all out and see what happens. So did it like a pressure come in or something? Um, kind of a, a like like self doubt or something like that. Yeah, just self consciousness. I think you know. I think God, I was sharing a lot of my life with people in in the songs and. I, maybe didn't feel as well able to do that anymore. But mm. of course, people don't see you on the song at all. They see themselves. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's it, yeah. You know? <laughs> and it might seem very personal to you and it might, and it, it, it you might feel like you, you're not fully able to share it. Like as you get older or whatever, I got self-conscious. But it's that's stupid because people, like I said, people don't care about you. It's, It'll, it'll either connect with them and they'll see themselves in the song or it'll just disappear, you know? Yeah, yeah. And one or the other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And you mentioned like around the, the poetry side of things as well. Like the one thing I, I kind of noticed a few years ago now, like, uh, and I, I'm not sure if you're kind of posting this kind of thing anymore, but I remember you were doing a lot of uh, writing, like as in writing, not songwriting, but just writing kind of like, prose and stories and stuff that you'd gone through and i thought the writing was like like beautiful um did you still write away now or little bits and pieces not much every now and again i get a notion 
Yeah. But what I what I used to be writing as might have been what you were reading was just a little tour blogs. So. Right. Yeah. Be, it was nice to to experience all these different places and to record them. And I always thought, you know, to try and I like reading a bit of travel writing myself. So I was thinking if I could do the same for other people, give them a little glimpse into what it's like being in whatever particular place we were in at the time. Yeah. And it used to pass the day for me, like. And, yeah. While you were out, while you're out touring at the time. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. No, I, I love that stuff, you know, and yeah, I, I, I would, uh, Maybe I'm just kind of um, planting a little seed, but I, I, I'd, I'd say people would love, love to, to read that. You know what I mean? Like generally mm. speaking, do you know what I mean? Cause well, I read back on some of them now, and uh, you know they come up in Facebook memories and stuff. And I'd say, you know, one out of three of them is probably fairly good, but two out of three are mid, you know, midland kind of. Mm. But mm. there were so that's that's writing, like that's that's, that's it, it again. That's it. Yeah, it's it's. Um, Sounds just like the thing we're talking about with songs and albums and, you know, the process generally. Like it's uh, it's kind of hit and miss. And then you have to just kind of nurture the the, the, the hits and yeah. <laughs> forget about the rest, you know. Yeah, don't get discouraged just because it's not a hit, like because that's the way that's the way it works. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, would you like to play it? Play a tune? I don't mind. Yeah. The yeah. Guitar here. Yeah. If if you want it, it'd be absolutely lovely. Any requests? Let's see. Um, while we were talking about it, would you would you do sing a powerful song? I wouldn't be able. Would you believe? Yeah. Uh, let's Can't see. Can't sing it. So Davey wrote that one for his own voice, and uh, yeah, yeah. his own voice is very very different level to mine. <laughs> sure. Um, let's see. Um, or whatever whatever you think yourself. No. I could do same old town. I find that Absolutely. easy. Absolutely perfect. Perfect. Same old faces, same old streets, same old people is all you meet. Too long wait, standing round, sick and tired of the same old town. Same old Monday, closed all day, farmers and their wisps of hay. Same old hanging around the square, same old spoofers, same old stairs. You're welcome back, yeah. Bang the door. This Christmas time and the time before. Don't like asking them. Fairly wide. Never give us the price of a pint. I go out for a walk to see if there's news. The rain on the path leaking into me shoes. I do talk to myself. I'm my only best friend. Sunday night, nearly Monday morning again. Same old story, same old town. You'd often wonder, as the years go past, why'd you ever bother going to Mass? The fear of God or to find a wife or buying shares in the afterlife. Bell still tolls, I heard it there. The final journey up through the square. I forget it now. <laughs> Bell still tolls, I heard it there. The final journey up to the square. Shop doors close and blinds come down. Same old story, same old town. I do howl at the moon, I go barking at dogs, take off all me clothes, lie out in the bog. I do talk to myself, I'm my only best friend, Sunday night, nearly Monday morning again. Same old story, same old town. Same old faces. Same old streets, same old people is all you meet. Ah, thanks, Leo. That was beautiful. Lovely. Thanks so much.
Not at all. My that, pleasure. That was absolutely brilliant. I'm a bit out of practice, but sure, that's no harm. Oh, I, I, that was lovely, lovely. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know what? Um, I'll ask you a couple more, a couple more questions, and 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 we wrap it up because that was that was absolutely beautiful. Um, I just wanted to, just wanted to ask, uh, wh- what are the what are the things that are 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 getting you through this time? You know, this like like last year of lockdown and uncertainty what what keeps you going um I, different i seem to be bit so busy doing nothing like you know <laughs> <laughs> uh i'm playing a bit of guitar and um eating and drinking and cooking mm-hmm. walking um just just there's different things going on all the time and uh, i'm not bored anyway yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do miss, I do miss the sociability of things, and I'm dying to bring the guitar up to the pub on a quiet night. I have every intention of the first Tuesday we're allowed back in, yeah. just to go up and tell a couple of people to come for a few songs, and no big deal, just yeah. get a little session going. Yeah, and uh, on a definitely a quiet night because, as you know. Playing in pubs and uh, at the weekends is tough work. Yeah, but, but it's it's a bit easier during the week when whoever is in is kind of half interested in the music at least. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I I, I totally hear you there. It, it'll be nice music wise with people in a room to kind of press reset a little bit. You know, it, it'll be reset and it'll be a bit different than it was before. But uh, I think. I think people are kind of yearning for it now as well at this stage, you know, and uh, there's, there's only so many Zoom gigs you can do. <laughs> Communal singing is a very therapeutic thing. It's a very important thing in people's lives. And it's it's we really realize how brilliant it is when we get back to doing it. I did a little session up on the square there last year. They were collecting for Simon community and my friend Mighty Corcoran came up. And we started, he brought his guitar and we just had a session on the square. Now, there was nobody listening to us, <laughs> but we just read through all the old songs we used to sing years ago in the pub. And God, there was loads of them. He remembered loads of them. And it was just so much fun and so enjoyable. And uh, so I look, I look forward to bringing that one indoors. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, well, yeah, I, I'm excited for you i'm excited for you i i'm looking forward uh to when that all happens as well and uh and uh i'm also looking forward to you know getting back to galway you know whenever whenever i can that's i i definitely miss like everybody now at this stage you know what i mean and that'll be i think something's come up these days of just not not taking things for granted anymore you know the simple stuff like i've been living here for nine years now but it was always very simple and cheap enough to just like get on a on a Ryanair flight just back home or whatever you could you could say oh I need to go back home in like a week or two weeks and it's just it was just kind of normal you know and these things um the nothing's permanent you know like you can't rely on any of that stuff so just the simple the simple stuff is um is going to be appreciated more than ever i think now yeah and our lives are short even if you, like my uncle died there now last month he was 94 oh, and sorry it's a great amount of time and all that but it still goes in a flash like so yeah yeah exactly we've no time to waste yeah and no time to be what we're not either as well do you know like we we're saying earlier about being be being oneself is like is 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 so important you know what i mean and uh and i i hope that like i hope that uh you know lots of young musicians and i'm sure there's uh plenty of young musicians who take that from you guys as well that like you know tell tell your story and and really be yourself you know i think people did you did you feel like in the last say 10 years or so in ireland that there's more um kind of interest and acceptance in that anyway do you know like like there's always been there's always there always has been but i mean like like as in just people being kind of vulnerable and open about who they are 
is it's like I, I just feel now is that if you're young and you're starting out like there's never a better time to be you do you know what I mean yeah well I, I imagine that your average 13 or 15 year old now is, is about 10 times more mature than I was and, and knows <laughs> more about how things work and how the world works yeah. and and is probably like you're saying a bit more at one with themselves and knows themselves knows themselves a bit better than definitely we did or I did anyway. Mm. I was a very immature teenager. Me too. And uh, and it was grand. It was okay, but I do admire I do admire the kids now that just seem to know how the world works. Yeah, it's great for them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so. Um, I just want to thank you again for doing this and for uh, being on the podcast. Uh, you know, My I pleasure. It's lovely talking to you. Yeah, you too, Leo. And I hope to see you in Galway at a session, maybe. Uh, after, you know, when 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 we're allowed later in the year, something like that. Yeah, you might come to Tum. I will, of course. Uh, in in a flash. Yeah. Uh, would it be too cheeky to ask you to sing us out with something? No. All right. I well, I I'll try. I wrote a song. Yes. I'm not sure if I, if I know the words, but uh, I'll try them. Uh, well, I, I, this is this is uh, this is definitely work in progress now. So okay, fantastic. Let something go wrong. The smell of freshly baked bread. There's no better start to the day. It'll always be butter for me. Doesn't matter what they say But I'm getting awful fond of the sweet stuff Chocolates, biscuits, toffees I'm getting fond of the wine back in Little And I've tried every beer from the offy But I miss the sea The call of the gulls The salt in the air Looking across at the stone hills clear Mirror reflection on the canvas today's The whiff of the seaweed and the swish of the waves I go out for a spin on the bypass Take the old car for a run Open her up on the straight See if she still do the ton And I never watch so much telly I'd be drinking a beer or sipping a scotch I watch people watching the telly And talking about what they just watched But I miss the ocean The call of the gulls The salt of the air Looking across at the stony hills clear Mirror reflection on the canvas today's Whiff of the seaweed and the swish of the waves I wasn't out since Christmas Ah, stop, will you leave me alone? I'm dying to get out, I'm dying to get gone Ah, stop, will you leave me alone? I'm dying to get gone Are the call of the gulls and the salt in the air Looking across at the stone hills are clear Mirror reflection on the canvas today's Whiff of the seaweed, the swish of the waves, and the long walk out for a dip in black rock. You'd be shivering and shaking, pulling back up your socks and your hands on the coffee, yeah, warming your hands. Will we go again tomorrow? Yeah, making that plan. I wasn't out since Christmas. Hey, good stuff. I love it. Brilliant, Leo. Thank you so Happy much, lots. man. It's a bit topical. That's all. That's it. That's it. Yeah, lovely song, man. Oh, uh, brilliant. Yeah. So, uh, in tune, 
uh, whenever whenever we are released, uh, I'll see you in Tune and yeah. I'll, I'll back and you it'll up. Be, it'll be a Tuesday night now or a Wednesday maybe. Perfect. One of them. Perfect. Perfect. We'll do it. Well, that was lovely. Thank you so much to Leo Morn for being on the show. Thanks for playing those songs, Leo. Massively, massively appreciate it. If anybody wants to hear more Saw Doctors, more Leo, some Pork Stevens, Water Boys, all kinds of stuff, go to the Spotify playlist that I've made. It's called Resonating with Leo Morn. It's in the description. Have a listen. It'll be a nice thing to put on washing the dishes or driving or whatever you're doing this week. Thanks again for being here, folks. Don't forget to share and like and subscribe and all that stuff. And I will catch you next week. Bye-bye.